faith of our fathers. And it's Father's Day, church. The one whom Jesus called Abba Father has called us here to worship together. And so we do. This morning we begin our worship service with This Is My Father's World. So church, let us stand and sing together. grace and peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church on this Father's Day, which is also graduation Sunday for us. We're so glad that you're here with us, and especially if you're visiting here today. There's a friendship pad on each one of the pews. It should be near the center aisle. It's a black folder, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know that you're here with us, whether you're a regular or whether you're visiting today. The announcement sheet is inside of our bulletin. And you'll see that today for Father's Day, there is a special opportunity to sponsor a child in our orphanage that we help sponsor in Africa, Tumaini Children's Home in Kenya. They will be out on the patios uh, signing people up to sponsor a child with that. So many of us have children that we have sponsored through World Vision. And a few of those children are beginning to age out of the program. So if you're looking for a new child to sponsor, this is one of the possibilities that you might consider. Also, you'll see that we're still signing up for Vacation Bible School. Many of our summer programs are full, but there is still room in Vacation Bible School for children. And also for this summer, starting two weeks from today, we have summer choir two weeks from today. And anybody can just come on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock and practice, and you can sing with the summer choir. So there's no midweek practice. It's an easy way to have a chance to sing along with the choir. Uh, those of you who are interested in Jerry's trip to Israel, it looks like the date is going to be May 2nd, 2017. And there is a book that he's asking people to read along with that. It is Jesus, a Pilgrimage by James Martin. We have that book available on the patio if you'd like to get that today. 
And also our flowers today are um, celebrating a, a first anniversary for Eager and Celeste Toro. Didn't I see you? Where are you? Eager and Celeste, are you here? No, but they will be here second service, I'll bet. Eager and Celeste, first anniversary. And we also have a 61st anniversary today. And that is Dick and Nancy Baird. Congratulations, Nancy. Yeah. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we have gathered to worship you. We have come to listen to you, to seek you, to praise you. You are the beginning of all things, the life of all things. In you, we live. Loving God, you are here and everywhere around us, within us by your spirit. You know our inmost thoughts, and in you we hope, in you we live. You are the source of our comfort, giving peace that is beyond our understanding. In you, we learn to be still. In you, we live. Bless now this time of worship. Awaken us to your presence, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Join me in the responsive call to worship. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One, One generation, generation shall lodge your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. So let us stand and praise him together. Join me in glad adoration.
Gracious God, you have called us to be a new community in Christ, and yet we remain divided. Forgive us our fear, our anxiety, our prejudice, our misunderstandings. Oh Lord, hear our cry. This morning, we sing a lament together in prayer. Hear my cry, oh Lord, when I'm lost in sin. Search deep in my heart to restore me within. For you, oh Lord, are the worthy Lamb you are. Be my shepherd, my Savior, my
we come to you, Lord, as we pray responsively and tell you the truth about ourselves. Lord, do hear our cry. Lord, you said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Forgive, Forgive us our lukewarm love and, and our disobedience. Lord, you said, you may ask for anything in my name. Forgive, Forgive us when we think we need to solve our own problems. Lord, you said, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We confess that our lives are often consumed by worry and anxiety. Lord, you said, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Forgive us our barren lives, O Lord. Lord, you said, you must testify, for you have been with me. We confess, Lord, that we have been too often silent. Lord, you said, love each other as I have loved you. We confess that we have not loved our neighbor as you have loved us. Forgive us, O Lord. Hear our cry as we come to you in the silence. Let the earth shout hallelujah. Let the people shout amen. God hears our cry. Stop. 
God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Know that we are forgiven and be at peace. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today, isn't it? We need this time. I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. I want to begin with this passage. Matthew 6, verse 25. I believe you will find it on page 6 in the New Testament portion of your pew Bible. Before I read, I want to acknowledge that it is Father's Day today. (laughs) And I was thinking this week that I can remember over 20 years ago, before we had our first child, and I was reading every parenting book I could get my hands on. I just wanted to do it right. You know what I'm talking about? And I was up in the copy room talking with our staff back then, and they were sharing with me books of required reading that every parent should read before they have a child. And we were talking away, and, and then Jerry Tankersley, our pastor, came walking in to get a cup of coffee. And I asked him if he had any books to recommend on parenting. And Jerry looked at me, and he had that smile on his face, and now I understand the smile after 20 years of parenting. And he shook his head a little bit, and he said prayer. (laughs) Lots of it. So thus ended the lesson this morning. You can go home. That's, That's what we need. Amen? Amen. So I do want to talk about prayer this morning. We have two passages, the Matthew passage and the first Peter passage, and I thought it was necessary for us to understand the foundations of prayer, understand the God we are approaching when we go to prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, is one of my favorite passages. So I'm going to read from verse 25 through 34, and then we'll read the first Peter passage. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and as tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed, 
Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen to that in our time. So let's go now to 1 Peter chapter 4. As we continue our study of 1 Peter, I'll be reading from verse 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers. Above all, maintain constant love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and by your spirit this morning. That in your light we may see light. And in your truth we may find freedom and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Some time ago, I spent a summer in New Zealand doing mission work. And for one of the weeks, I worked alongside a full-time missionary in the town of Dunedin. If you ever visit New Zealand, you have got to visit the town of Dunedin. It's on the southern end of the southern island. It is beautiful. This missionary I worked with, he was a strong-willed, rough-looking man from Scotland. If you can conjure up in your mind right now Mel Gibson playing William Wallace, you have got this guy in your mind. I mean, he was major intense. It was tiring just being around him. And in my mind, I called him Mr. Determined. <laughs> he loved the Lord. He was a straight shooter. There were no secrets. He put everything out on the table, and he was determined, by golly, of sharing the good news of Jesus with everyone in Dunedin. Now, for the first two days, as we were preparing for a Bible club at one of the schools, I noticed something. Whenever we faced an obstacle or a challenge, he would quote from whom he said was a contemporary theologian. Now this would go on and on and on every time he'd say something, and then he'd say, that is a quote from a contemporary theologian. Now finally on the second day, at the end of the afternoon, I had built up enough nerve and I asked him, who is this contemporary theologian? I don't recognize any of these quotes at all. 
And he said, I've been waiting for you to ask. The contemporary theologian, it's me. Whenever I get in a bind, I just share what I'm thinking inside. I I share it out loud, and I put it in the context of saying it's from a contemporary theologian because every one of us, we are all contemporary theologians. And now that you know that, he said, if you ever think I'm off base, then I want you to call me on it. You got it, mate? I got it. And it led to a very interesting week with him. But I was so thankful of how teachable he was. Now, every one of us is a contemporary theologian. We have all engaged in the study of the divine. We have all engaged in the study of God, whether we know it or not. It started from the earliest of our age, long before God's Holy Spirit awakened our hearts and we surrendered our lives to God. We were developing an understanding of whom we presumed God to be. We started thinking through in relation to God in those early times how God might be working in our lives and how He works in the world. And if you're honest with yourself and you think back to those days, you probably would come to the conclusion that it was shaped by things like TV. I can't tell you how many Brady Bunch episodes I watched as a kid. From that, I always thought that everything could get wrapped up in 20 minutes. Everyone would be just fine. I think I watched every single Twilight episode, and every time I got on an airplane, I would look out on the wing and wonder, (laughs) is there some creature out there? All of those things started getting into my mind. Or maybe it was music. You know, Bruce Springsteen said that I learned more from a three-minute record baby than I ever learned in school. Maybe music formed us somewhat. And it could be movies. You've seen some people who watch movies over and over. How many times have we seen Forrest Gump? And it kind of has a theology to it that we may want to live out. Or maybe we measure our lives by all those world events that have happened. And if you were blessed enough, Maybe you had parents that actually took you to church and that shaped and formed your thinking. But I think when it comes down to it, if we're willing to admit it, it was our life experience in those early years that shaped what we thought about God. And we know now, as followers of Christ, that it's going to take a lifetime, isn't it? It's going to take long into eternity to truly understand who the one true God is from Scripture, and God is still working upon us today. Now, I say this because I think it relates especially to our view of prayer. I want you to pause and think for a moment how much your view and your approach to prayer has been transformed since your walk with Christ started. Since you started going to church and studying God's Word, just pause and think for a moment how you used to pray before you became a believer in Christ. I suspect all of us at a time, especially when we were children, we approach prayer like wishing upon a star. Or how we might approach blowing out a candle and expecting something to happen. And most of the time, back in those early years, we were very disappointed that we didn't get that wish or we didn't get that prayer. 
And it may have led of us thinking that whoever this entity out there was, that he was disinterested and removed from the universe because I didn't get what I had wished for or prayed for. I still find myself praying that the light will stay green. I don't know what it is about PCH and knives, but I'm always driving and I hope that light is green. Lord, make it stay green because you know if it's red, you're going to keep hitting reds all the way down through Dana Point. And I'm very disappointed when it turns red. Why me, Lord? Why me? Don't you know how busy I am and how needful I am that I get down there to Dana Point? And then thank God along comes scripture like that Matthew passage I read earlier. Our eyes are opened. And I want to use this word a little bit this morning. We are transformed into a biblical understanding of God and how he responds and relates to us in prayer. Did you listen to what Jesus said in that Matthew passage? He said that our God listens. He is an interested God in, in each and every facet of our lives. And not only is He interested as our loving Father, but God actually wants what's best for us. And we may not know at the time what's best for us. Think of all the things that you have prayed for. And then you look back. Aren't you glad that He didn't bless you with what you prayed for some of those times? What would it have done to our lives? Jesus went on to say, Consider the birds of the air. If God feeds and cares for them, consider the lilies of the field. If God clothes them as beautifully as he does, if they are more beautiful than all the robes of Solomon, will he not more so care for and bless each one of us? If an earthly father... If an earthly parent wants what's best for their children, parents, don't you want what's best for your children? I lie awake sometimes and I want what's best for my children. Will not God, our heavenly father, our heavenly parent, want what's best for us a hundred times and a thousand times more? And I'm sure Jesus is standing there just waiting for his apostles and his disciples to yell out, yes. Therefore, in my language, Jesus said, then don't be stressed out. Seek the Lord and his righteousness in prayer. Ask of God and all of these things and more so will be added unto you. That is the kind of God we have and whom we approach in prayer. Our approach to prayer has been further transformed as we learn that Christ, by his death and resurrection, has opened wide the door, wide the door for us to come into the presence of God. Do you know that Jesus has done everything that is needed for you to completely, 100% come into the presence of God? And so we can speak with God now. We can sit with God and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation and God is interested anywhere, anytime at all. And we can lift up words of praise 
and adoration and confession. And when we confess, we can be confident that Christ has forgiven us of our sins. And we lift up thanksgivings and desires and requests and, and supplications and hopes and dreams and celebrations. And there's times when we lift up frustration. We lift up laments. Read the Psalms sometimes. Read the book of Lamentations. There are some heavy-duty prayers of lament there. And there are times when you lift up things to God out loud that you would not want for your best friend to hear. And there are times when we, we just don't have anything to say at all. You ever just sat there in prayer? You have nothing to say at all. You are silent. You are overwhelmed. And the beautiful thing is that the Holy Spirit has promised you that He knows what you need most. He knows your inner thoughts and need. And we take great comfort in that. Our understanding of prayer as contemporary theologians has come a long way. This transformation continues as we find that our prayers lead us from inward to outward. Our prayers have a way of leading us from things about ourself to the needs of others. Our prayers have a way of leading us out into action. And one of the things I most enjoy about sitting in on our mission outreach committee is to hear missionaries as they come back and to share with us what's going on in their lives or missionaries who are seeking support from us. Do you know that almost every time their vision and their reason for being out in missions has come about from their prayer life? And it's true for us as well. Think of those areas of interest you have in ministry, where you go out and do things for the Lord, whether it is teaching in the public school or, or whether you're volunteering for Little League or, or whether you're working at UCI, whatever it is you're doing, God has called you out into those places and He's the one who has given you vision and I'm willing to bet it came out of your prayer life with God. Now our understanding of prayer and this understanding of prayer helps immensely before we Think about those words of Peter. He reminds the community of faith that we must be diligent. We must be ever urgent in prayer than ever before. Why? This is an intense line. Peter says, because the end is near. Peter, I believe, is reminded of Jesus' words in Mark chapter 13, when the disciples, the apostles, were questioning Jesus, well, when will you return, and when will this happen, and when will that happen? And Jesus said to them, be ever alert, be on guard, for you do not know when the end will come. And as Christians, we take great solace, we take great hope in the truth that one day, he will come. And there will be a day when Christ returns, and there will be a reckoning, and God will be the one who will do that reckoning, not us, and God will be the one who will set up a new heaven and a new earth for us. And I think what Jesus is saying, and I think Peter is saying here, is that that day is closer today than it was yesterday. So if you came here looking for some prediction for me, you are not going to get it. For as a contemporary theologian once said, if anyone puts out a prediction of when Jesus will return, then they are just asking to look foolish. Yeah, that was me. 
So the church at the time of Peter obviously needed to hear those words so that they could endure. And they just didn't want to endure. They wanted to thrive as a church. How much more the church of today, how much more the Christian of today, that we need to not only endure these times, these are challenging times, aren't they? Not only to endure these times, but we want to thrive as a church and thrive as believers in this time. I can only imagine what the church was facing back in the time of Peter. There was heavy-duty persecution. There were properties of Christians being grabbed away from them. And we are very well aware of the challenges that we face today. And what's Peter's response? Peter's response to these challenges is pray. For prayer, when we are in a conversation with God, has a way of putting life, and it has a way of putting the present into perspective. What did Peter say? It has a way of keeping us sober-minded, and I believe Christ-centered in these times. Have you noticed this week how the world reacts to the kind of violence that took place last weekend? I've even noticed it in the papers this morning. Look the way the world does it. It starts pointing fingers at one another. There's all this harsh rhetoric that goes nowhere, but the rhetoric keeps going up higher and higher and higher. It's like everyone's getting into a frenzy. There is more division the way the world reacts to violence. So not only is there division in our nation, there's division in our political parties, there's division everywhere, and on and on it goes with all of those exhausting, anxious, breaking news reports that come in all the time. For the most part, our world reacts with fear. Make no mistake about it. Fear is at the base of it. Our world reacts with fear and desperation. And as a church, instead of getting angry at the world, our heart should go out to the world. And I'm well aware of what my natural inclination is when such things happen. And I'll bet you know what your natural inclination is. And yet, throughout 1 Peter, we are reminded that we have a higher calling. So Peter is calling us. When these times come, and they're here, they're here in every generation, that what we need to do is pray. And when we start to pray, there is a chain reaction that takes place because prayer leads to, what does Peter say? Prayer leads to love, showing acts of love. It goes on to hospitality, it goes on to service and sharing our gifts. It moves on to sharing the voice of God by the strength of God to the culmination of the glory of Jesus Christ. Can you think of anything that the world needs more than all of those things mentioned by Peter? Why will prayer start off this chain reaction in our lives? Because when we're praying, we understand that God has shown us his love. God has shown us great hospitality by inviting us into his home. He has shown us through signs of service and gifts and grace, and he has shared his voice with us, and he has given us his strength to the glory of Christ. And so it moves us from inward to outward so that we as the body of Christ and we as Christians can share this love with the world. That's just the tip of the iceberg. 
on prayer. And I could go on and on, but I won't. But what I will say is it starts with me and it starts with you. Now, this is the point in the sermon when, of course, you knew it. Steve was going to challenge for us to pray. And I could lay a big burden upon you, but I'm not going to do it. Because like you, I struggle with prayer. I find myself very busy. I'm intimidated about coming before the Lord sometimes thinking, well, if I'm not going to spend a long time with you, should I even spend a short time with you? And my mind is filled with all kinds of things just like you. But we know that if faith, hope, and love is going to grow in us, we need to pray. Here's a couple of ideas that I have. I've started doing. And maybe I challenge you. What about in the morning when you're driving to that first appointment you have or, or the first thing you need to do or, or maybe if you're walking there, you leave off the music and the talk radio, you leave the phone off and you take that time, maybe it's just five minutes or it's 20 minutes and you pray through your daily schedule with God. It's amazing as you will find yourself Or what about in the middle of the day when you have a joy come to mind or a sorrow or someone shares a need or a breaking news report does come on that you just lift it up quickly in prayer and you give it over to the Lord. If you start doing that, you'll notice throughout the day you'll be praying to God more and more and more. And lastly, what about before you turn off the light? Maybe you read a psalm, then you turn off the light and you lift up some thanksgivings from the day from God and then you start lifting up prayer requests. Half the time I fall asleep right in the middle of it, but what a great way to fall asleep. And so a contemporary theologian once said, you find that time to pray, and you watch how it sets off a chain reaction of love that we need, our nation needs, our world needs in this time. Amen? As Forrest Gump said, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we do lift up our need for becoming a people more and more of prayer. And we know how dependent we are upon your Holy Spirit to move us into praying, into lifting up requests and thanksgivings and praises and on and on to you. So help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward as we give of our tithes and our offerings.
God our Father. On this day when we honor fathers, we give you thanks for them. And we ask you to give them wisdom and grace. We pray for fathers and grandfathers in every season of life. For those with young children, we ask for patience and energy. For the fathers of teens and adult children, so often also caring for their own parents, we ask for your grace and your wisdom. We pray for fathers who themselves need care. As we come to the end of the school year, we thank you for teachers, for their schools, for all who have poured their lives into our children throughout this last year. And we pray for our children and youth as they face new situations, as they make crucial decisions, as some move away to college and new jobs, and as they develop into the people that you have created them to be, as they come to love you and walk in your ways. This morning we also hold before you the crying needs of our world for Syria and its people. We pray for Orlando, all their recovery, all of their grief, for the shooting and also for the alligator attack. And we pray for the people of Charleston as they mark a year after the shooting at Mother Emanuel Church. We ask for your grace and your comfort for them as they face into the future, trusting in you. And so we bring you these gifts, asking that you will use them and that you will use us for your purposes in this world, even as we pray for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, Our Father who, who art, art in heaven, heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning we close the service with a prayer that we would be so bold to pray this song together this morning. Multiply your love through us, Lord. Let us see your kingdom come. Multiply your love through us, Lord, to the lost and the least. Let me be your healing hands, Lord, your instruments of Verse 2, multiply your love, Lord, through me. Multiply your love through me, Lord, to someone in need. Oh, help me, Lord, to freely give this grace that I receive. And my single purpose. 
if you will start praying even now for our vacation Bible school that will be here before you know it. We'll have over a hundred children and leaders that need prayer as we prepare and we have that week. And if you'll pray for Forest Home, we have over 70 students and leaders that will be up at that camp at the end of July. And then Club H2O, we're going to have over 60 children and leaders helping out. So I ask that you pray for those weeks ahead. And of course, uh, God bless you this week. And now may the God of hope fill you with all hope and love that you would overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. God bless you this week. Amen. Amen.